everyone to the rest podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Roberts, and I am here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and rest, Virginia Dixon. Hey, Natalie. Hi, Virginia. So happy you're back. I know. And there's a transition for you. Roberts. Roberts. Williams to Roberts. Roberts yeah. <laughs> and when you just announced who you were and just opened the podcast I just had a flashback mm-hmm. at when you first came to see me yeah. with your ex-husband and talk about transitions and painful transitions oh, yeah. and trying to be an honor in doing all the right things in those transitions and mm-hmm. what amazing history you and I have but what an amazing wedding what an amazing beautiful union we celebrated here oh yeah it was last month the best day it went by so fast it, did. it went by so fast so i would i wanted to ask you to just post a picture oh yeah of just the whole thing <laughs> so people can get a feel for how just amazing it was the wedding was here at the villa and it was just from another time period it was beautiful it was transitions I, as you well know i was up all night mm-hmm. and It occurred to me thinking about the last series, thinking about all the events that have transpired in the last two months. And now in the last week. In the last week, yeah. Yeah. But I think in 20 years and, well, 20 years here with rest, but certainly 40 years of my life's work, I've seen a lot of significant transitions. But the things that we've experienced in the last three or four months have been really significant. And as you know, we've had so many storms here in California Mm -hmm. and there's this beautiful, beautiful Creek that runs through the property. And I've sat there many hours pondering many things, thinking deeply about many things, so many things coming at us so fast, right? Natalie and, and wanting to make the right decisions, but there was a little leaf that fell in the stream of water that was pretty aggressively running through the creek. And it occurred to me that that is like, it was an illustration of my life in time. Mm. And we always want to hang on to things. We don't want to see change. And yet life in time and experiencing life in time is very much like being a leaf in that creek. There's no going back. Yeah. (laughs) Things just keep going and going and going, but Mm -hmm. somehow we want to hold on to some things, other things we want to run from. But either way, time is such that everything just transitions. And the question is, how do they transition? When do they transition? What's causing the transitions? And how do we respond? So I kind of want to talk on how we respond to these changes in our lives. But certainly nearest and dearest to my heart is a long, long, long time patient of mine to the cancer center who later became an advisor and on a routine trip stopped by the villa and has often stayed here since he is one of our advisors and he's always had an open invitation to stay here. Things took a little bit of a turn for the worse. Yeah. And it was a transition none of us were expecting. And so even as we speak, hospice is here. And we have the joy, the privilege, 
and the honor to serve him in this way, but he's getting ready to transition into eternity. Mm -hmm. And I was up all night thinking about so many things and certainly about what to speak about today. But I heard that quite still voice inform me again, be still and know that I'm God. Mm -hmm. And actually I can prove it to you. Life is only about beginnings. Mm -hmm. When the little sperm hits the egg, there's a flash of light. Mm -hmm. Beginning. When we enter through the birth canal into this ecosystem, (laughs) it's light. Into time, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Light, right? Yeah. When we enter into time by through conception, there's light. Yeah. But when we go through the birth canal, there's light. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that John's about to see the light of all lights, Mm -hmm. as is so well reported by so many. And I think it really touched my heart, because even as we speak, my great nephew's about to be born. Mm -hmm. And obviously I can't be there or be with my sister, which is where my heart is. But I'm so touched by it, because here one life, beautiful life, that I've had the privilege of displacing confusion, chaos, and dis-ease of in a ripe Mm -hmm. old age. But one life transitions out and another one comes in. Mm -hmm. It's been such a joy to experience, I think, both things. And that's the beauty in the ashes of all these that come with all these transitions, painful as sometimes they are. I think that's the hope that lies before us. And somehow this peace that surpassed all understanding came over me and I felt a flash of joy because it's all good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good because it exposes, reveals, and informs us about so many things, right? Who we are, what we're doing here, and questions about where we're going. But one of the things that I find most gripping is these brutal transitions that are upon us as a nation. You know, I'm all about healing the hemorrhaging heart of a nation because a nation is the construct, right, of our deepest religious convictions. Mm -hmm. But just as a nation, we see that we're in a time of enormous transition and we're painfully aware of it every day because of the calls we get, the emails we receive, and the people that walk in our office. Yeah. And there is growing confusion, chaos, and dis-ease about some really, what I think, are basic things. Yeah, foundational principles, like things that are written on our heart that we intuitively know, but we don't under like fully understand. Congruent with laws of nature, things that are self-evident and appeal to our natural affections, which yes. is a tagline for rest. Right. We negotiate those transitions, really according to the counsel of our conscience or the reactivities of the flesh. And I look at John and and see that all the decisions that he's having to make, the things he's having to weigh out, and the integrity with which he's doing them, I'm realizing how he's driven by so much conviction. He's compelled by so much conviction of doing the right things. But then fear sets in. And reactivity sets in. And I'm watching him try to negotiate those two things. And it's a beautiful thing to watch 
because I think it's no different than our listening audience right now and the decisions and the things they have to make. But I have a segment that I'd like to read. It says, the nature of a man wants to really do what suits him best. And it's often in opposition with the highest calling of his conscience. The spirit gives us, informs us with desires that are opposite to those that are intuitive to our nature, our central nervous system, our propensity to react. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that often we're not free to carry out our good intentions because the impulse of our reactivities threaten to drown out our deepest convictions. But when we are directed by this quiet, still voice that says you were meant for more than this, there's a lot of freedom. And we're under no obligation to submit to fear. But when we follow the desires of our nature to be reactive, to do what we want, in spite of what we know is best, the results are very clear. Regardless if we're on our deathbed or if we're at a bar, conversation we were having earlier, mm-hmm. Natalie, yeah. or whether we have to make tough business decisions or whether we're at a school board meeting and some tough things are being discussed that violate our conscience, but we don't want to speak up. Yeah. The impulses of the flesh are clear. They tend to be self-serving in nature. They are understood because people tend to be offensive Mm -hmm. to themselves and others, frankly. They seek pleasure their own impulses, they want to do what they want, when they want, how they want it. They're not willing to listen. The hearts are idolatrous. The things they're pursuing become more important than the people they're talking about. The point they're making becomes more important than the people they're addressing. There's hostility, there's quarreling, there's jealousy, there's outbursts of anger, there's selfish ambition, there's dissension, division, envy. And I thought this was interesting, especially in light of what David spoke about, but there's drunkenness. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an indulgence in behavior to decompress, to cope, cope. Mm -hmm. drinking, drugs, all kinds of other things. Yeah. Ultimately, these things lead to destruction, but you don't have to be confused and we don't have to drown in the conflict that often comes with these transitions. Because listen to this, the fruit of the spirit, the voice of that spirit, the voice that says you were meant for more than this is evidenced because you will be inclined to silence the impulses of reactivity, to be kind, mm. to love. And in, in the process, you'll feel a sense of joy, not happiness. Happiness has to do with external circumstances, but joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here's the thing. 
there's no law against those things because they're law giving things. Right. The law is only established, right? We only all have to turn to the law when the options aren't life giving. But the voice of the spirit really infuses life into discourse, into conflict. I remember being at a school board meeting and the person who was facilitating the discussion became a punching bag. Mm. And I sat in the back of the room. I, I was asked to go and listen to see what in fact was transpiring and I couldn't remain silent. And I stood up and I asked the people that were being very reactive and it became like a mob mentality thing, wow. what, they, what they were hoping to accomplish in the discourse. And it was just filled with venom, but it came down about 50 notches. And then I had asked the speaker what he was hoping to accomplish mm-hmm. by coming on behalf of the president of the director of the organization that didn't want to show up. And it was really interesting he came to add light, life, liberty, love to the whole discourse and to say, hey, we're all going to be okay. Yeah. Because I want to answer all your questions. I want to give you what you want. Mm-hmm. But the opposing side was so reactive that they did not have margin to receive yeah. the very thing they were demanding. Yeah. So when I just asked one piercing question, too. It was my, my husband wasn't able to attend at the time, so I went on his behalf. I went on our behalf. And it was amazing to see how immediately the energy shifted in the room. And we were able to come to a consensus that we were all on the same team. And that's one simple example of thousands where confusion, chaos, and dis ease that come with painful disturbing, shocking transitions, if we can understand the difference between the highest calling of our conscience and the impulses of our central nervous system, the flesh, if we can understand what's happening within us, we can step into very difficult situations like I did in this meeting and just ask tough questions to to displace the tension that comes when there's confusion, chaos, and disease. And I think that's a position we need to take in what's happening in America. Mm-hmm. And the brutal, brutal dissension that's in our midst. Because almost overnight, we went from violent discussions of when life begins. And people on both sides had strong opinions about that. But when the highest court of the nation said it's not to be legislated by the Supreme Court, it cannot be legislated by federal government, Mm -hmm. this has to go back to the states, to the individual. A bizarre discourse and a a bizarre division rose up immediately, but it couldn't stick. Mm -hmm. And do you know why it couldn't stick? Because it was going to die a natural death. Because everybody had liberty. They just protected the individual liberty of the people and they left it up to the discretion of the states. But something interesting happened within a month or two or three months and it was immediate. And yeah, I know where you're going with this. You know? Well, yes, because all of a sudden 
that Planned Parenthood and that discourse shifted to this gender discussion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And frankly, many people that are coming in to see me who are struggling in a number of areas pertaining to all of those things I just discussed and certainly cancer and other things. But what's displacing them and jolting now is how did plant parenthood now shift from that to facilitating gender and biological sex discussions. And it felt like a business transaction to me. It's feeling like a financial transaction But in both cases, there's the desecration of life. So I apply that same principle. In our discourse, are we being driven to react by our compassion, react by what seems right to us? Or do we have the capacity to pause and say, wait a minute, I have a mind, a heart, a will, a conscience, a feelings, and something that's happening is happening too fast? too invasive and it's too confusing and chaotic i feel like we're reactive and in a state of dis-ease and i'm not comfortable with this so which voice do we listen to in this massive transition i think that we're facing as a nation and it's not just that i think there's political things that are being disclosed on so many levels i think there's so much corruption daily being disclosed i think for one And again, my intention is not to be political in any way. It's to address growing issues of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that cause disease, illness, and death of either the spirit, the soul, the body that make up families, relationships, institutions, and certainly nations. So the same principle applies whether I'm dealing with cancer, right? Or whether I'm dealing with... um, a person struggling with their sexuality. Yeah. So one thing that has shocked me in this huge cultural transition that we're experiencing is invasive thoughts mm-hmm. that come out of nowhere. Yeah. And I've realized, well, there's a spiritual constitution to this narrative that I think we need to become more clear about and explain and define and i'd like to do that in our next podcast natalie yeah but did any did what did that make sense yeah it did and you know talking about this specifically i know a lot of people have a question of like you know when did all of this start because i mean i have i have an idea of kind of where it started to get worse, but we know that like this transition has been happening for a long time and just well, now it's becoming it, more blunt and like in our face. face yeah. yeah. And, and that's a great question. And I'm asked that all the time. What the heck has happened? And one of my favorite conversations, I can certainly go as can people who love history and philosophy and theology and the evolution of thought. I think there's many times in the history of man that we see the full breadth of these transitions taking place. I can just cut to the chase and say there's nothing progressive about what we call progressive. We've been here throughout the beginning of time, but the transitions we're experiencing right now at these alarming rates are so consistent with what happened in Rome. And we see that the demise of a nation is upon us. I think the huge transition that we all need to be really preparing for. And I'd like to address that 
is the access of information Mm. and the dispersion of information and the incredible capacity we have to communicate and both to communicate and to distort what's happening. Yeah. But one thing is certain growing confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that we are facing is a sign of the times, very well documented by a library that is contained in what we call the Bible. Most people don't realize that the Bible is really a a conglomeration. Yeah, Yeah, it's a, a historical document, but it's the conglomeration, right? It's the accumulation of books that span thousands and thousands of years. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's no divine, it's a divine conspiracy. There's no conspiracy of man Mm -hmm. that either had the technology, the resources, or frankly, the lifespan to have manipulated this and put it in this canon again, that spans, you know, just thousands of years. And I think one of the gripping things, and I, I guess one of the things I want to point out that the reason I speak with so much conviction about the conflict between the highest calling of your conscience and the work of your reactivities, your imp- the impulse of your flesh, if you will, your anatomy, is because that therein lies the conflict. We all, I think most of us by nature, have good intentions, but there's something that we want to do that we don't do. Many, many things we want to do that we don't do, and the things we don't want to do, we end up doing. And we yeah. talked about some of those at the beginning of the podcast, you and I privately. But I think that conflict between the spirit and the flesh is violent. Yeah. And we all experience that, right? And some of us act on one and disregard the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the consequences are very different. But there's something else that is always informing us and drawing us. And I don't care if you want to call it good and bad, right and wrong, just, unjust, lawful, lawful, good energy, bad energy, angels, demons, God or Satan. At the end of the day, there is a cosmic conflict that informs these transitions. And I think we need to be astute in how we respond, especially when a tsunami is upon us. And I want, I always put on my little post truth floats truth floats truth can't be suppressed because it's congruent with laws of nature things that are self-evident and appeal to our natural affections right truth will not be like rome fell Mm -hmm. but the truth and the principles remain and we're about we're experiencing the fruit of that because we too will fall i think if people with deep convictions that say no i won't participate in the in the confusion chaos and dis-ease because I will perish in it. Yeah. And going back to your original analogy, truth is the leaf. Truth is the leaf. It can be jostled. It can be overwhelmed. It can be covered, but it always will float back to the top. Mm -hmm. Looking at that little creek and coming back to the analogy of the leaf, sometimes I feel like that leaf that's being tossed to and fro, but it's become painfully aware that there's no going back. There's a new continuing in that pilgrimage. And the waters and the storms and the twists and the turns and the turbulence of everything that comes upon me. It is listening to the quiet, still voice of my conscience or embracing the reactivities of my flesh that threaten to take my life. Yeah. 
and where it's that time in history. Yep. And I think it's a great opportunity. I don't think this is our darkest hour. It's our finest moment. One of our guests said that, that was such a compelling statement that I made to her in the darkest hours of her life. And so she spoke it back to me and I decided I would live by it. Mm. So I profoundly believe that painful as some transitions are in our life and serious as the times we're living in are, I don't think it's the darkest time for America. I think this could be our finest hour because we can rise up and speak to the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal. And we don't have to get caught up in narratives about politics when government dictates politics. Yeah. We don't think about the political systems and the directors of systems as having their root in government and how man governs his mind, his heart, his will, his conscience, and his feelings. And I think that's an important distinction, and I hope we have more time in the future to make it. Yeah, and something that comes to mind with you saying that was, you know, let truth float, let the light shine, because what fear wants to do is to snuff it out and to drown it. It's not, And it's not possible. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows what will happen to a generation in the process? Yeah. But laws of nature, things that are self-evident and appeal to your natural affections cannot be drowned out. Mm-hmm. And I hope that gives people the courage to live from their deepest convictions and not from their propensity to react mm-hmm. out of fear. Yep. In the end times, people will become lovers of themselves. They're going to love money. They're going to be boastful and proud. Scoffing of God. Mm. the one that established laws of nature, self-evident truth, and made us to have the gauge of our natural affections to determine what's true and what's not, ironically. Yeah. And the reason I know God is, is because I'll never, ever, ever forget. 9-11, everybody's praying. And I'm thinking, I wonder who they're praying to and for what, because all these people don't believe in God. Yeah. By their own admission, by the way. So it's really interesting that when push comes to shove in our life, our cry is for the one who designed us to be in alignment with him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, disobedience will be rampant. Disobedience of parents specifically ungrateful. Consider nothing sacred. They're going to be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They're going to be cruel and hate what is good. They're going to betray their friends, live recklessly and be puffed up with their own pride. What's the expression? My truth. Mm. No, there's not your truth. There's your opinion and the truth. Yes. They will act religious at times, but they will reject the power that makes them godly. So the fruit of the religions that they embrace are really going to be for the control of others. Yeah but they'll never have the power of it. And that's why false teaching and being careful what we embrace becomes so important. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he says, stay away from those people. Yeah. I think that this is a good gauge, a good indication. Do you see selfishness? Do you see boasting? Do you see pride? Yeah. How often do you hear, this is my truth? With all the confidence in the world, you can say there's no such thing as your truth. There's your perspective, there's your opinion, 
but that does not make something true. Yeah. So in this time of incredible transition, I don't know why this discussion, this time of incredible transitions in the life of rest, in the life of my personal life, in the life of our company, in the life of our family, in the lives of people that I serve, I'm recognizing that we are being overrun by competing voices that are not reasonable and we need to identify the quiet still voice of our conscience and the reactivities of our flesh frankly yeah and the last thing that i'll say especially talking about um opposing voices and having to discern between the two i was going to talk about this earlier when we were talking about information was back in 2013 the government legalized the use of propaganda in the U.S. and that had not been available before until 2013. So I would say be very careful about the things that you are seeing online. You know, don't take it at face value, take everything with a grain of salt and go back to these foundational principles and rule, like literally line them up next to them and see what actually is discerned, what is actually truth and and what is not. And yeah, I, I, I mean, was just going to say it's yeah, difficult it's, and confusing and chaotic yes. if you don't have the resources to exactly. discern. I think that's an excellent point, Natalie. And I guess I want people to understand that they have a powerful resource within themselves and it's their conscience, your mind, your heart, yes. your will, your conscience, your feelings that will inform you. And I just went very slowly and depicted the voices of our conscience. They bring about and facilitate things that are discussions, thoughts, conversations, words, feelings that are life-giving. Yeah, The reactivity and the impulses of your flesh tend to diminish it. Yeah. And they tend to go rogue. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you tell the difference. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natalie. Tough day. Yeah. Beautiful word Mm -hmm. transitions because at the end of the day, the narrative of the life of man is one of just beginnings from light to light to light. Yeah. Thank you so much, Virginia. Thank you. All right, everyone, for updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.